0: When I find myself feeling down, in need of a good movie, I find myself going to a Richard Curtis movie. Maybe Notting Hill, maybe Four Weddings and a Funeral, maybe even about time, but sometimes, near the holidays. I like to turn on a certain film. A film that reminds me that love actually is all around us. And when Hugh Grant is the one telling me this, oh, it makes me feel warm and fuzzy in my toes. Love Actually, the 2003 Christmas rom-com, star-studded, often imitated, often ripped off, often not done well when imitated. I'm looking at you, Valentine's Day, and even you, Mother's Day, and you, New Year's, New Year's Day, and are there any other days? Maybe they're going to do like a birthday one someday, like, um, I don't know, like, Happy Birthday, Jesus. Uh, that would be this one, because it's Christmas Day. Thank God they didn't call it Christmas Day. They just call it Love Actually. Anyways, it's Love Actually. Enjoy.
1: Oh, Christmas movie. Oh, Christmas movie. Welcome to this guide to guide to rom-coms. Um, See you, what I did there. You
0: you put you tried to fit more syllables, more syllables. It wouldn't work, and no. the emphasis of the syllable. You have
1: would... to be Bill Nehe if you want to bring in Gentleman's Guide to Rom Coms with an extra syllable. But hi, my name's Kelly McCrillis and Merry Holidays, Christmas time. Hi, and I'm Ryan Grace. I'm Kelly Song. Damn it! Damn! 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 Well, damn. you know, at Christmas, you really just need to tell the truth. So I'll say. That was my bad. I you miss, interrupted I my
0: up. introduction. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. I'm Ryan Graves.
1: That's it. <laughs> I'm hiding behind my, my pop filter. <sighs> we'll, we'll get you there. We'll get you there someday. Ryan, I've got a game for you today. Play me on, Hutman. Um, this game is called Because It's Christmas... <laughs> Because it's Christmas, Which, you can
0: only tell the truth at Christmas.
1: Any other time, you're no, just no, no. a liar. And it's such a weird thing in this movie, or maybe it's a British thing I just don't know about, but so many different times in this film they say, and because it's Christmas, you X. <laughs> so, Ryan, because it's Christmas, I need to know your least favorite Christmas song. Oh, um, it's your least favorite Christmas song out of solidarity with you. Oh, is it?
0: Yeah. Christmas in the Northwest? Yeah, because I'm just like, you know what? I don't really mind. I think all Christmas music is pretty mediocre unless you're Elton John or George Michael. so Or Mariah Carey. All oh, res- respect. Paul respect. McCartney. Paul McCartney.
1: Also, I think...
0: Can you don't, guys you don't, would you, you don't agree like
1: classics like Irving Berlin or Bing Crosby?
0: I mean that's all all well and good, but I like that through my movie watching, like I like to get the sure. Christmas classics sure, 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 sure. on White Christmas. I don't want to hear a record of it. I like to see it. I like to see you like to people see doing it. Yeah, yeah. Same with even like the Rat Pack doing Christmas songs that yeah. like YouTube it. It's so
1: entertaining. Yeah, but like the thing about the Rat Pack doing Christmas songs is like whenever I want to like come in on a certain note, Frank's like, uh or I'm just gonna sing on and Dean's just this note he's just wasted, like he's just Which is why it's more fun to watch. His
0: face is down in a pile of his own sick and (laughs) (laughs) And he's like singing into his glass. And he's like, I had too much eggnog with my eggnog whiskey. Gross. (laughs)
1: Gross. <laughs> that, I don't think that would settle well in but, my stomach. But the
0: Christmas music I like, like last night, I was like, where is it? Where is it? And I was like, aha! I found the playlist where the second song was Wham's Christmas music. Oh, I'm I love like, Wham's
1: Christmas here music. Here we go. This which, is the one I want. Which I love. Um, it's Wham that uh, Hugh Grant dances to in this movie, right? Um, it's the Pointer Sisters. Oh, the Pointer Sisters? Pointer Sisters. Let's get a little of that. Oh, hey. <laughs>
0: Yeah, oh, love me some pointers, I, was... I mean, it's very '80s. The it music very, is very 80s. '80s. So, to answer your question, "Christmas in the, the Northwest, Northwest" is the worst Christmas song. Definitely. And runner-up to music from the early aughts, I just think it—they went hog wild on having every artist do christmas music where it wasn't appropriate i can't name names but it's just like christmas music coming out now it's like
1: john legend it's like that makes sense he should do christmas music have you so on spotify they have like a christmas hits section and Mm -hmm. it's like a bunch of new christmas songs Mm -hmm. and it feels really mediocre it feels like people like there was a train christmas song where it's like no it's and it's like Yeah, we're gonna jingle and (laughs) jangle too, and then we're gonna have Christmas. Put put your foot in a shoe and go hiking. No, no, no. This isn't like this. I guess this is a wintery song, but it it doesn't give you the feels. Well,
0: there was one the first song on a playlist that I had to abandon right away. It was Ariana Grande doing a cover of Mary Maria. Mariah, Mariah. <laughs> <See>? Maria <Karen. laughs>
1: Mariah Carey,
0: Mariah Carey—not the one, but one of her other ones. Yeah. and it's just kind of like, why are you even bothering? You're a good singer. Yeah, but don't bother. Sing
1: your own Christmas songs. Yeah, or sing one that's way back there. Yeah. So okay, uh, I have another
0: question. Okay, um, but we are we have the same answer then. Yeah, yeah, and we yeah. played it
1: already. Yeah. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, just because it's Christmas, I need to know, and you have to be. You have to be honest I'll on be honest, because I can only tell the truth on Christmas. What is the worst Christmas gift you've ever given?
0: Given? Given. Oh. Um, nothing? Can I say that? Because <laughs> <laughs> like, there's a lot of people that I haven't given Christmas presents to, and no, I should No, doesn't
1: count. Like, have you ever just bought a Christmas gift that was, like maybe for a white elephant at work or like you got something for your mom and now looking back on it you feel really ashamed because I I have one of those that's going to be my answer. I don't have
0: anything specific but it's like I've gotten my dad and my in-law dad so many presents where it's like we're all agreed it's like you own everything you want (laughs) <laughs> that's that's your role in society is if there's something you want you get it. And so when it comes to gift giving time you're impossible to shop for. So let's just acknowledge that I made an effort let's and just move on. You're not really
1: a a handmade gift kind of guy. No. <laughs> okay. Um because my, I don't want handmade stuff. I want the stuff. My mom is notoriously hard to buy for. Um not because she's not interested in things, necessarily. Uh, hi, Mom, by the way. Hey. Um, but just... She's just... Like... I... I don't know why, but our family always has a hard time buying for Mom. Yeah. For a long time, we would, like, get her something plus the thomas Kincaid calendar oh yeah so that we'd have a calendar in the house and my mom liked thomas Kincaid, so we got her that but after a while it got really stale like even cody and i being like 11 and 15 we're like man we feel real bad about this well but she's the
0: one who brought you to a bunch of movies and she got you into all this music i would think there'd be some kind of pop culture stuff that you can get her that... yeah
1: you'd think so but for some reason there's like this blank spot whenever cody and i are talking like what do we want to get mom and it's like well we could I guess we could get her that. And every once in a while we score. Like I got her all the DVDs of Anne of Green Gables. See, once. The, there yeah. you go. Like I said, uh, but there was one year I must've been 20, 21 Cody. So I definitely knew better. Yeah. And Cody was like 18, 17, 18. And we were like, you know what? Let's my mom. my I don't. You know, I don't know the reason. I think <laughs> I think it was like the twenty first of December, and we had been talking about it for a long time, and we were just walking around a pet store, and <laughs> oh God, there, was some, not good. there was some there were some like really cheap. God, I said that. I'm so ashamed. Mm. Anole lizards, uh, little green dudes. Oh, and <laughs> and so there's like there's that, and then we found someone who was like selling a little terrarium kind oh. of thing. And we um, bought two lizards for my mom. Wait a minute.
0: Isn't the, <laughs> the, the, these li-
1: the lizards that showed up in your apartment six months later? So the whole story is, my mom was like, thanks. You can because, have them. Yeah. We, we didn't know why we gave them to her. She didn't know why we gave them to her. But we were just like, M- you know what? Maybe... My mom had talked about, like, I think our dog had died the previous year. And she was like, I want a pet, but a pet that I don't have to take care of all the time. And we're like, lizards. Lizards. Stupid. I don't... Again, Cody and I weren't high at the time, but we might as well have been. So then she re-gifted them to you. She she ba- Well, she basically said, I'm going to kill these on purpose if you don't take them. And <laughs> then you did, and
0: then you accidentally burned a hole in the carpet because you put your heat lamp on the ground for a second.
1: Yeah, so basically, uh, the lizards, when I was taking care of them once, I took the heat lamp out and for some reason left it on my carpet. I was in college. There was a lot going on, maybe. None
0: of us were surprised.
1: I I think (laughs) you were there at the house. Yeah, and I was like, what's that burning? (laughs) And so there's this, like, dark carpet spot and the way I took care of it was I cut some carpet out of the closet and then cut that out and replaced it and put it in the back of the closet. Shame. And, I mean, she never found out. I never. No, no, she found
0: out, but she was like, I'm fine. I'm not going to chase this down.
1: <laughs> You're not worth it. So, the, uh, okay. And now just because it's Christmas, you have to ask me a question. <laughs> oh, just cause it's Christmas.
0: Just because it's Christmas. Um, what is a Christmas movie? I'm going back to movies again because okay. we're a movie podcast. That's fine. What is a Christmas movie that you think should be obliterated from earth and no one should ever see again?
1: You know, there's this Hallmark one, Where it's like, there's, I I don't know the name of it, but it might as well be called like a motorcycle for Christmas. (laughs) I was, I was watching it over at, um, Robin's sister's house because it was like on in the background, just like a
0: castle for Christmas should
1: do. Yeah, that's what you should do with a castle for Christmas. Just put it 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 on the background. It was worse than a castle for Christmas. Like, I mean, think
0: about it just for a second. I just want to revisit that for a second. If you're like cooking Christmas cookies and you're talking with your friend or your sister or something, Mm -hmm. again. It's great background noise. You glance at it. Ah, Carrie always
1: is so beautiful. Right. That's it. That's not what this is though. This it can't even rise to that level. It it so had my attention in the worst possible way. It was like (laughs) I was watching somebody get slowly like more and more drunk at a party, and I'm like, ooh, this is just gotta watch out for that guy. And and what it what it was was basically like these two, like this one person was going away to war, and um, this other person lived in the small town and this woman was in love with both of them and one of them might have been donating a motorcycle to a museum and she was like kind of in love with both of them but she kind of like said she didn't want to be with both of them then at the end for no reason she's like I love you guy who's going away to war (laughs) and that was it it was a bad movie and if I could destroy it I would
0: mine would be The Christmas Prince
1: really? I mean that was the movie you learned where you learned how to hate (laughs) <laughs> like yeah. you'd, you'd get rid of that yeah okay
0: yeah yeah i mean i just don't i don't like ironic watching things
1: but you liked that you liked no, ironically
0: watching it. i liked being with my friends but i didn't like what we were doing
1: <laughs> you, you mean you you felt dirty
0: yeah yeah exactly i felt i did i wasn't proud of myself and i was just like i was proud of you. i want to spare this thing the pain and just make it like send it to Mars so no one's can uh, look at it again. Okay, that's fair. And hate
1: watch it. But then the Martians like it'll it'll land and they'll be like, oh, cool, we have DVD players so too. So this is what
0: humanity is like.
1: And the, the then it'll be like Galaxy Quest, but you know um, Mars instead of uh, what are they in Galaxy Quest? Um, mm, we need your help. The Thermians. 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 I think they're called that the Thermians. Could be right? Um,
0: can Mine you? Is not minus. One. I have one last question. Yeah. Just because it's Christmas. Can you tell me? This is more of an opinion, not not uh like personal fact. But can you tell me what a movie is that's not a Christmas movie but feels like a Christmas movie?
1: Mm. Mm-hmm. 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 Um. 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 Um well, not while you were sleeping, because that feels like a Thanksgiving movie for some reason. Yeah. Um, Totes. Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Lord of the Rings, it came out on Christmas. Yeah. It, there's just something about, like, how everything is very dark in that movie, but the characters and where they end up is so happy. And it's kind of like, you know, on it's like... You know, it's the darkest time of year, but we come together for like joy and light and stuff, and that's how that movie makes me feel.
0: Yeah, mine's mine's The King and I because it's one of Sarah's favorite movies. I, and I just saw that, over and I put there. it it's, on It's my, right next to the Christmas. It's music. on the
1: Christmas shelf. I know other people that think Sound of Music, and that's right next to it. Yeah, too. It's also there. So,
0: I never understood why they put Star Wars movies in Christmas time. They used to be a summer movie, but now it's a Christmas time movie. Just yeah, weird. I don't, I, I don't like that.
1: I think the reason why is because there used to be. There used to be no tent poles around that time of year. Yeah. And and so they were like, look, we, can, we, we don't have to compete as much if we move away from the blockbusters of summer. Yeah. But you fucking Star Wars. I think they should do that in January, February, where there actually is no competition. Seriously. Seriously. All right. Well, um, why don't we start talking about the story of today's Christmas movie, The Christmas Story. No. No. Uh, Love Actually. Does. Is all around. <laughs> Works. <laughs> Tell me a story, Turk. Let me tell you a story about love, D'Artagnan. I, I ask you about love, you probably quote me a sonnet. I'm not much more than an interpreter and not very good at telling stories. That's the
0: end. What do you mean that's the end? That's not. It's the beginning of something interesting.
1: Listen, that's the end of that saga. The end.
0: Um, okay, this is Richard Curtis's ensemble film uh, about Christmas being all around you.
1: Right. And the way we're going to talk about this is we're going to take piecemeal all the different stories because there's too much movie here and too many interweaving things for us to like, it's going to be as long as a Valentine's Day episode if we do that. And neither of us but that. But let's not get bogged down. In no. it.
0: Should we scroll through the stories just in brief and then just go into them one by one? Like, I mean, briefly, I'm going to do it right now. There's yeah. Hugh There's Hugh Grant as prime minister and Natalie, the work, worker his, his, lady. Well, he, he, she's the caterer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's Alan Rickman and Emma Thompson, the um, quasi the quasi infidelity storyline. Yep. Um, Liam Neeson and his stepson, and him getting over his the death of his wife. Him he, getting he over been the death recently widowed. Mm-hmm. And then that kid and Joanna, his childhood crush. Yep. Because he's in a childhood mm-hmm. time, so every crush is childhood.
1: And then you have Keira Knightley and Chadwell Ejiofor, who just get married, but uh, Andrew Lincoln. Pre Walking Dead days has a huge crush on her. Mm-hmm. He's mm-hmm. a walker after her. He's a stalker a stalk, walker. A stalker
0: walker. <laughs> uh, then you got Laura Linney and Carl, Carl. <laughs> and Laura's brother. Right. And it's this weird. It's not a love triangle, but it, no. she's distracted well, by it, taking care of her brother. It
1: kind of is. Robin and I were thinking about. Uh, we'll get into it. Yeah. Um, then you have Martin Freeman and the girl. Just Judy is that her name? <laughs> she's just Judy. Just Judy, and uh, they are either stand-ins for porn. Or they are, um, or they're body doubles, but I think it's more like their stand-ins to get lighting right for porn before they bring in the actual porn actors.
0: This is porn as if directed by Michael Bay. This is like the most expensive porn ever.
1: <laughs> exactly. They're like doing lighting tests. Um, uh, we'll get into that too. Um, then you have, uh, Bill Nihi. Mm-hmm. Nai? 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 Um and Gregor Fisher who like Bill Nye is playing uh He's Mick Jagger. He's, yes, I mean especially with the way he holds his hands yeah. and his manager. Yeah. Yeah.
0: His he's Mick Jagger. Um and then Colin Frizzle, sex god, who has a big knob. knob. <laughs> Um, and his friend Tony, and then all the girls that he encounters in Wisconsin, Wisconsin. Shannon Elizabeth, January Straw. Jones, Elisha Cuthbert, Ivana Milosevic, <laughs> um, and Denise Milosevic. <laughs> <Milo-cific? laughs> I don't know, and then finally, of Colin Firth and Aurelia,
1: Aurelia, Aurelia, um, who basically he is a writer who uh recently got bro- broke up with his girlfriend because she let's start with that one.
0: Yeah, but I I just want to say as a disclaimer, those are the storylines that we can remember. If we've forgotten any, we're sorry, (laughs) but calm down, Richard
1: Curtis. This is too many people. So we always talk about how Richard Curtis is the best I think we can both agree the best at yeah. making every single character a character in a movie. Yeah, um, whether they're the main characters or not, and there are no main characters in this movie. Everybody's a main character.
0: Yeah. So the two other like essential Richard Curtis films, like I think I think we're getting to a point where we we can kind of speak confidently about things where we say essential films of yes. Richard Curtis. Mm-hmm. Um, well, about time is kind of an outlier.
1: Because it doesn't yeah, feel like his new other films, is, I think the the thing we, yeah. we have it's not so firmly established.
0: But Notting Hill, Four Weddings and a Funeral, and Love Actually kind of feel like a triptych. It kind of feels like yes. a trilogy.
1: Yeah, it, it does feel like um, each one got a higher and higher budget. Yeah, and so you you see this weird evolution from like it's not in like Four Weddings is not indie, right? <laughs> but it's definitely the most indie of these films, right? Uh, so the first two, Four Weddings and Notting Hill, both
0: have big ensembles with Hugh Grant as the lead. But they're contained.
1: Yeah. Like, because he is the main character, him and his love interest is the main character, and then you have your eccentric cast of characters surrounding them, each one of them having their own story. Yeah. And so
0: all those characters, we always feel like, you know, you could make a whole movie about this side character, whereas you wouldn't be able to do that in other movies like a Nancy Myers or a Nefron. not you couldn't, you couldn't make a movie
1: about the side characters, the Judy Greer characters of movie. You wouldn't movies. really want to either because they're not all that, fascinating
0: right but in four weddings and funeral i would so go in on a spinoff for any of those characters yes 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 and yes. richard curtis is like okay and love actually is just the spinoff stories like it's i almost want to see the, the television characters.
1: show of that group of friends yeah and yeah.
0: apparently they made one mindy cayley made um called four weddings and a funeral oh and people, yeah she. well and people complain like this has nothing to do with four weddings funeral
1: <laughs> yeah i um i don't I don't necessarily care for reboots of it. I, I wanted to watch those actors and those characters right, play out. Right, right. But yeah, Richard Curtis
0: seemed to like hear our praises and be like, okay, why don't I just make a movie of just side characters and that'll be the they'll be the stars. Mm-hmm. What's funny, though, is that he cast lead Hollywood actors and all of them. We're like, no, 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 cast the character actors. That's uh-huh. why we like them so much, but we can get into the I, quality uh, of them. I mean, this,
1: I think they're all stars. They're all stars. They're all stars, but not all of them were then yeah they're stars now for sure yeah like like even someone like kira knightley was just popping just off. becoming a star yeah. martin
0: freeman wasn't a star but he would be and laura linney is the closest thing to a character actress we e- Yeah. well
1: i mean yeah but you also have like um we haven't talked about who i want to call the christmas angel Uh um,
0: oh oh um right um rowan atkinson rowan atkinson who yeah. is the biggest character actor but bill
1: right. nehe also yeah he
0: was, that was our introduction to the, he was introduced to us through this movie.
1: Right, yes, yes. Even though he's been in like a billion British things. Um, that was his like main stage introduction. And he's actually the first, here, let's talk about him first because he is the first the, person we yeah. get in touch with. We we open the movie where it's so heartwarming where Colin, or not Colin, Hugh Grant is doing his uh, voiceover, which he does for every movie. Mm-hmm. And he talks about how, one of his favorite things is Heathrow Airport. And Mm -hmm. this is more the movie talking rather than his character being the prime minister. Right. Um, And uh, you just have a bunch of shots of real people connecting. Mm-hmm. and um you know being happy when they get together after somebody comes in on the airport and and this is like post 9/11 he like even brings it up as like airports became like a different place afterwards like you couldn't go you couldn't just go pick people up at the gate because right. you'd have to go through security and so you'd have to buy a ticket to do that everything right. just got a little bit more tense in the western world afterwards and this movie is talking about hey whenever like in his like this movie has a such a strong voice because it starts off with hugh grant saying like whenever the world feels dark i think about this and Mm -hmm. realize that it's not that dark Mm -hmm. whenever i get gloomy with the state of the world i think about the arrivals gate at heathrow airport general opinion starting to make out that we live in a world of hatred and greed but i don't see that seems to me that love is everywhere Often it's not particularly dignified or newsworthy, but it's always there. Fathers and sons, mothers and daughters, husbands and wives,
0: boyfriends, girlfriends, old friends. When the planes hit the Twin Towers, as far as I know, none of the phone calls from the people on board were messages of hate or revenge.
1: They were all messages of love. If you look for it, I've got a sneaky feeling you'll find that love actually is all around.
0: Beautiful, beautiful. So then we get introduced to Bill Nighy's Mick Jagger-like character, mm-hmm. and he's recording Love is All Around You, but it's Christmas is All Around You. Mm-hmm. And if you've seen the movie, we're not going to rehash the joke, because mm. just go see the movie, because yeah. <laughs>
1: there's too much to rehash, yeah. so
0: really, please see the movie.
1: But the, his love, and I want to talk about what is Christmas about him, or about each of these stories, and then what is love about oh, all these okay, stories, because yeah. love actually is Christmas. Oh, yeah, And when it's Christmas, you tell the truth about love. <laughs> and never any other time. Um... So the love story here is between him and his manager, mm-hmm. where he, you know, kind of derides his manager a little bit. He calls him Chubby. Um, Chubbs. Chubbs. Um, and his manager is very supportive. And Bill he is just, he, uh, Billy Mack is just hard to deal with as a pop star yeah. or an aged rock star, I guess.
0: Yeah. Because it's like Mick Jagger mixed with um, Billy Idol. Is that who I'm thinking of? Yeah, sure. Yeah, Billy Idol. Yeah,
1: he feels Billy Idol-ish. Maybe not as hard as Billy.
0: Yeah, but he's got a little bit of um, you know, whatever attitude about everything.
1: Because, like, the the thing about Mick Jagger is he'd never song, sing a song about, like, that has this kind of, like, poppiness to it. He, he would never stoop so low. Well, yeah, I mean, he's, he's just more of a rock and roller, where... Like Billy Mac, they say he is, but this song is like love is really all poppy. Around us. Like, yeah. um, it feels more like not Sting, but but that's the
0: thing is like Billy Idol is a hard rocker, but he's kind of a pop hard rocker where he wouldn't. You wouldn't want him inducting someone into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and it's like, Billy Idol. Like,
1: we don't need him. I guess so, but like... Sorry, the, the song <laughs> that The song that everybody knows Billy Idol for is just a hard song. Right, I'm just thinking like The tenants, The Halls of
0: Rock and Roll. I'm thinking Led Zeppin, Zeppelin and Rolling Stones. And yeah, he just... Yeah. It's more of an MTV figure, you know? Well, and that's he, what Billy Max seems to be from the heyday of the 80s MTV sure, time. Sure,
1: where, where he was really popular for like maybe... Five Five six years. Yeah. Um, so his story is that he, he's rewritten this Christmas song and it's like, there's a number one on the charts or a number one, most selling records like contest basically. And if, if you land at the top, then you're basically set for a long time. Yeah. So this is something I didn't
0: know, but I've, I learned that Oasis and blur were like, the most famous music rivals in the nineties. Oh. And it was like battle of Brit pop. And there was like a year where both of their albums was coming out at the same time. Uh-huh. And they had this public feud where it's like, fuck you. We're going to be the number one album. No, we're going to be the number one album. And like, apparently it was this thing, like the whole world was watching. It's like, who's going to come out on top? Blur or Oasis?
1: Wouldn't it have been way too? I, I just feel like, especially Oasis, would think it's way too uncool to care. I about know that. that doesn't sound like Oasis, but there was this whole feud, so I think that's
0: what the inspiration was. He's just kind of riffing on that like Brit Brit music like chart uh rivalries
1: yeah and he's old and this band blue is yeah. is like basically the backstreet boys yeah. i guess and um so you never think he's gonna get it but then he does yeah and he gets the number one and he gets invited to elton john's party and um instead he goes and spends christmas with his manager because they've been together longest and he's just like you know i don't have anybody else and so you're my family okay so
0: i've seen this movie like 15 times uh-huh. Me i'm too. still a little confused is he romantically in love with this guy, or is he not? I I don't think he is. Um, I think. Cause he says the words "You're the love of my life," and I'm uh-huh. like, "That's really romantic." I
1: love you, Kelly. I will never say that to you. Well, yeah, but I <laughs> I don't think Billy Mack is necessarily a serious person, and so but that's a even, very serious thing to say. Well, this is what I'm saying is even even him delivering a line like this, he's being the most vulnerable he can, and yeah. so he has to make it kind of a joke,
0: because he uh, says, "You're
1: the fucking love of my life." Yeah, you know, um, and they there, give this very like. Um, what, what do you
0: call it? Not homophobic, but just kind of like self-aware, like uh, like it's a hug where it's like, uh,
1: don't read too much yeah, in my hug. Yeah, but it's also bashful in a way yeah. where like it could be read as these are two guys that actually are in love, but have never expressed that in That's what I was wondering. A, I'm way. like, are
0: they like tiptoeing into the puddles of a romantic love and it's something that brand new to them that yeah. they haven't really like explored?
1: I, like I would want to, I want to see that movie. Um, but like at the end of this film, Billy Mac comes back with some babe. um, Yeah. But that's the other thing is like, there's all these stories about
0: like David Bowie, Mick Jagger being wildly bisexual. Yeah. So
1: (laughs) it is highly probable. And I feel like Joe, in order to put up with Billy Mac, probably must be in love with him. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I'm going to vote for yes, but the movie doesn't tell us.
0: Yeah. And um, did you watch the deleted
1: scenes on these? I have. Not in a couple of years, though.
0: We'll, we'll wait until the end for me to like t- not spill the tea, but just shed some light on the deleted scenes, which I don't usually go to deleted scenes on a movie. This is the one of the few movies where it's like, you got to watch it. It's wild. Isn't
1: there another scene where Kira Knightley goes to like the print? shop of
0: yeah i think she
1: knows those guys but there's a
0: storyline that got cut cut completely and it was a lesbian storyline where the teachers at sam's school had they're like new characters that we haven't met in the movie oh really but they're i don't remember they're lesbians and they're like closeted and it just it takes 10 minutes to like dive into their life together uh-huh. and Richard Curtis was like I really wanted to include this story but it had no relevance to anything and they didn't know anybody Well, Richard movie. Curtis, that's on you for not wrapping it right. up right and it's like well you should have done better in the script process to make this story count because it, it we'll, felt shoehorned in which is why they cut it because it completely this, derailed the is whole this movie 2005- no, 2003 Somewhere around then, yeah, I think yeah. 2003 Which it was progressive
1: of him to think of it Yeah But he wasn't quite there to like stick the landing Yeah, yeah, which, you know, you know, I would have liked to see that Yeah Um. So go watch the DVD extras So all that to say,
0: it was on his mind sure. And I'm just wondering if this first plot line He
1: was just kind of like
0: flirting with that line it Yeah, was I'm like, like, I might hint at it
1: yeah, just a little so, bit But I really like their story me too. Um so I on a rating of w- 1 to 10 love story in this movie, what do you give it? Well, I guess 7 because it's it's very heartwarming.
0: It's heartwarming, but it's not it's ambiguous. It's not big. Yeah. And then on the other side, 1 to 10 Christmas. I'd say 9 Christmas cuz it's very
1: it's you got to be the you got to be the with the one you love for Christmas. This is the one that <laughs> And at Christmas, you're with the ones you love. (laughs) Yeah. Um, This is the one that is probably interwoven. Like all these stories are interwoven, and this is the one that's probably interwoven most because everyone interacts with this. Everybody sees it like on a television or hears it in a store or gets inspired. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, next, let's do Colin Firth and Aurelia.
0: Okay. You're going in random order. We wrote these all down. You got to keep track. Hugh
1: Grant and Natalie then. Um. Yeah. Okay. Hugh Grant so and Natalie, Prime Minister and his caterer. Yeah,
0: and uh, she's super cute, and they have a great meet cute. And where he's, he's super suave. Yeah, he's meeting the staff, and she's like all. She keeps swearing in front of him, and he thinks she's hilarious. Yeah.
1: This is this is definitely a love at first sight thing. Yeah. Where they're bumbling, 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 and if if it was any other situation besides boss and employee, it wouldn't be weird. They would probably just go out on a date. Yeah. But since they, he is the prime minister and she is on his staff. Yeah. That it's, complicates things. Yeah.
0: Um, in your romantic encounters, how often did you have a crush on someone in the first time that you meet them versus it developing slowly? Cause Hugh Grant's like, Oh, I like her like instant crush. Um, because I know with Robin, it was an instant crush.
1: I think I, um, I'm i probably like a 75% instant crush, 25% slowly having a crush on someone. What about you?
0: Well, with Sarah, it was very much a slow burn. Because Well,
1: no, you had an instant crush. Well, uh, your relationship was a slow burn, but you had an instant crush from all the stories you've told me.
0: Yeah. I mean, I had to move on because she started dating some other right, guy. Right. That's still an instant crush. That's all it, we're talking about. Does that count? Yeah, of course oh, it does. Because
1: okay. it's what we're talking about is- Because I couldn't really capitalize on this crush for years. I think it's hard. Like, It's less frequent to find someone who is like, yeah, I saw that person and they were fine. And then slowly I developed a crush on them. I think that's a less frequent story. Yeah.
0: But I very much relate to those moments where you're interacting with someone and you're like, Oh man do I like you yeah no very much so and he he Hugh Grant this is one of his best performances and it it's is. such a flimsy film like this and I really mean flimsy with um, all the niceness I can it, it's not a Christmas rom-com just doesn't feel as sincere or serious as much as it wants to be as Notting Hill
1: like that feels ten times more sincere <sighs> yeah I d- so there's But there's something about the pathos that he brings to this role where he's just so charming. Yeah, it's cutting through the fact that this is
0: a Christmas movie.
1: Yeah, I feel like I'm really watching a young, hot prime minister fall in love with somebody and kind of regret it immediately. Yeah. 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 And um, like a lot of hay has been made about like, you know, I think... Recently, especially you know, bosses taking advantage of their sure. their people. So what what happens? That's what he's
0: terrified
1: of. Right, right. You and you can see it in written into the bones of this movie that he he is in like immediately attracted to her and probably would fall in love with her. But he's like, don't don't do it. But he can't like he can't help himself. But like flirt a little bit. Yeah. But he's not he's not doing it in a way where I don't think anybody could conceive of it as gross. Mm-hmm. The one flaw to his character is that he since he sees that coming he has her reassigned Mm -hmm. um and i think logistically that's probably a smart move on his part yeah however that is also i think we can say at the same time a sucky thing to do to someone whose job it is i mean
0: uh friend of the show rachel perel foskett Mm -hmm. is staying in portland this week so What, what so hello rachel and we were watching this together um, last week cause she's crashing at our house and we're watching that and she's like, like as it was happening, as it was going, she's like, it's not fair that she had to get fired because of his problems. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Ooh, but she didn't get fired. She, no, she, she got moved. And she, Rachel's like, Oh, that's right. She doesn't get fired. Yeah. And I'm like, she gets moved to become a catering manager. Mm-hmm.
1: So I think she actually got promoted. Yeah. And I, I i like that i i, I but see it's it's in the details it's in the weeds you yeah, don't really get it it's gray for yeah. sure and you know maybe some of that was left on the cutting room floor or something but yeah but it's only in a single line that i think it's defendable but there's like there are bosses that move people around for personality reasons mm-hmm. where it's like I, I can't be mad at hugh grant for making this choice yeah um so yeah you just kind that of he w- fired her. Yeah. But you want some kind of like lore where you're
0: like reading about the character bio. Uh-huh. And it's like, she was moved and she became like, catering where's the myth. comic book of <laughs> she, <this. laughs> she, um, she became catering manager where she was only like the coffee girl before. And she got a huge pay bump because she got moved to this new section because of what the prime minister did. Mm-hmm. it's like, that's what we want to know, but there's no narrative way to like tell us this. So cause it's already a two hour and 15 minute movie. Yeah. So uh, I don't know. So I, I hear the criticism, but I will just softly be like, ah, I don't think it's as
1: bad as it's it's perceived. You just yeah. got to catch those little lines. Agreed. And then he basically goes, He, she sends him a card at one point in time after he's an awesome prime minister. And oh, she has a run-in with Billy Bob Thornton, who, the oh,
0: president of America.
1: Man, this is just like watching, like I always bring up Doctor Who, but watching like most British things, whenever there's like an American, they're so- American. Pro- they're so- <laughs> Like the worst of Americans.
0: I mean, Doctor Who seems to think that we all come from Texas and we all have guns.
1: Yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> and like in this, you might as well like yeah. Billy Bob Thornton is the ugly hick gun of presidents. Yeah, and it's just, or, ca- and he's nasty.
0: And it feels this is the only aspect of the movie that feels really aged because it's like like George Bush.
1: Yeah, yeah, right. He's like, but he's like, if if George Bush is chaotic neutral this guy's chaotic evil (laughs) yeah or he's he's like neutral Neutral evil evil. it feels gross
0: and Hugh Grant's supposed to be the Tony Blair and it's supposed to be kind of this one-to-one thing it's the only thing that feels aged yeah you know but Billy Bob Thornton you know gets up on Natalie's business and we're like cool
1: he just and like his it's a really funny line Uh, he he first meets Natalie on some stairway and then late him and um, Hugh Grant leave her and he's like, oh, like the pipes on that one, blah. And Hugh grants, like, yeah, I like her. She's really good at her job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and it's almost you almost don't hear it. It's a great line. Um, uh, their storyline
0: resolves. Um, he he has the most, probably the most climactic thing where, well, maybe well, they all have good like third act moves. Yeah, he goes and finds her where she lives in the dodgy end of the West End of London. He sings "Good King Wenceslas," and I love his bodyguard. Yeah, piping in. <laughs> um the, so they go he to finds her the play. And they go to the play and the they do the climactic song which we'll get to and the the curtains part and they see him making out with natalie and he
1: just smiles and waves and yeah they take a, bow. Yeah, yeah, they take a bow. and and then we see at the end that they're together mm-hmm. and she's she's definitely like kind of crabby and a little mo- lower class yeah. and um like he's good with that because I like the scene where she runs and jumps him at the airport when yeah. he comes home and wraps her legs around him totally like lack of decorum especially for Britain absolutely but, and like he he looks a little annoyed but then when they walk away he like really gives her the most sincere smile oh, and yeah. you're like oh you guys love each other a I'm
0: lot. trying to think I'm like looking through our list of people I'm not I'm not saying who I'd fall in love with but I think Natalie's the most man Natalie and Aurelia the most beautiful women in this they're just like um, yeah, very, very relating to Hugh Grant's plight here.
1: <laughs> he, he doesn't fall in love with Aurelia, but he uh, would. no, I'm saying, but he
0: would. I'm saying I relate to Colin Firth because I'm like I, I understand that. Like a lot of these storylines, we'll keep talking about them. They all feel male fantasy, and that does feel a little gross to me. Well, it.
1: it... Yeah. It's a little bit of that for sure. Like I think taken as a movie by themselves as stories, it would be less so because each of these stories would be more fleshed out and they'd be given more time. Mm -hmm. But as it is, it's a lot of bosses and their underlings falling in love, which Aaron Carlson brought this up writer of, um, I'll have what she's having. She's like, uh, it's misogynistic. And we're like, you're not wrong. No, (laughs) you're not wrong. It's not, it's not the worst. Wo- it's kind of undercover, and it's—I think it's mostly accidental. I think so too. But like, it's probably something that comes from this time period being unaware of it. Yeah, yeah. totally. So, scale of one to Christmas. Um, Hugh Grant, Natalie. <laughs> scale of one to Christmas. Yeah.
0: Um, I'd say like a a nine. I mean, they
1: make out at the Christmas pageant. Yeah, and and he sings "Whenceless List" yeah. Christmas. Scale of one to love.
0: One to 10 on the love scale. Um, I'm
1: going to give them that a nine as well. Cause yeah, it's pretty strong. I'm on the love. in, I'm in mm-hmm. on their romance. I love mm-hmm. it. me too. Love it. Love it. All right. Next Alan Rickman and Emma Thompson. Okay. So Alan Rickman, can you talk about the, the post uh, that you did the other day about diehard? Uh, which which one? I'm I'm I posted it's, so many. <laughs> it's the, Well, basically, if you want to see Alan Rickman punished for what he did in this movie, you watch Die Hard After. You watch Die Hard and it's like, that guy, well, I mean, he does get his kind of offense for he really does.
0: The, for the crime that he commits, he gets he gets rendered equal justice.
1: Yeah. So let's um basically Alan Rickman is the boss of a bunch of characters in this movie at like a design firm mm-hmm. and then um uh, Emma Thompson is the mom of their two kids and sister um, to Hugh Grant, sister to Hugh Grant and best friend of Liam Neeson. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Um, and so she's basically a, a cool stay at home mom, Mm -hmm. uh, from what we know. And, um, slowly over the course of Alan Rickman's story, he's, he is, (laughs) he has the world's most provocative, the secretary mm-hmm. um, named Mia and Robin and I were like, I wonder if she just does this job to job where she got hired via temp agency, goes to this office, sleeps with a really rich boss <laughs> for jewelry and then moves on to her next job. <laughs> I mean, I get it. It's Alan Rickman.
0: Yeah. I get the attraction. Uh, no, I, I get the attraction
1: it. too. For her, sure. Her
0: method is the, I think to really, to really get what she wants to really seduce a guy
1: like his character, she would kind of have to go all in. She really does. She's like, um, she like he's leaving the office once, and she's like looking forward to seeing you. And then he keeps walking, and she's like a lot. <laughs> and like at one point in time, she like spreads her legs a little <laughs> yeah, bit. And, uh, every scene, Alan rings like what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, he he's like, I think Alan Rickman probably hasn't been come on to a lot, mm-hmm. and so he he sees this as like, um, okay. I like, there's some part of him that really wants it. Right. But he's not allowing that to come out until he calls her.
0: Yeah. Cause there's, there's a lot of t- Cause there, a lot of the time in the movie, he's actually a pretty good character because right. he encourages Laura Lenny to go after Carl. And we're like, mm-hmm. yeah, that's, mm-hmm. a, that's he seems a, like good a good boss. boss. Yeah. yeah. Um, and the Mia will come onto him and he would act the way that I would hope I would act, which is be like, uh, Okay, like I'm not going to like dignify any of that. I'm going to leave. But but then it eventually gets to him.
1: I I think I think the better way to be when somebody's being that obvious, like most people aren't that obvious, but right. if somebody was being that obvious would be to like cuz when they're dancing together and she's like it's all for you. Yeah. The thing you need to do is like if you're not wanting to sleep with her is say don't. Hey, this is inappropriate. <laughs> yeah,
0: and that's that's where the like downfall begins. Right. Is that yeah. he didn't put up those barriers. Right. But I would I'm saying I
1: would probably react like him at first, where would sure. be like, I don't know what to do with this. This is really weird. Sure. And I mean, I think that comes from like, unless you're used to people hitting on you all the time. Which like, I am not. Well, I <laughs> I think um the reason why I would be very like equipped to deal with something like this is because I worked in the service industry, which I also did. So thank you for just hitting me while I'm low. You know, <laughs> you worked, you worked at a movie theater.
0: It, we had a restaurant attached to it. I did very well for myself, and very... I did fantastic for myself. Thank you very much <laughs> during Magic Mike Week, where all the drunk moms came in.
1: They loved being served by me, sir. So, so really, you're you're fine. You're touting your own game here. <laughs> I'm talking about you weren't at a club where there were a thousand people hitting. Which on was you across all the, time, the street, or like from the, the huge
0: strip club, right? And, yeah. Exactly.
1: Um, but yes, I think it's it's something where basically. He, at one point in time, he's like, so he leaves work and he's about to go shopping with his wife, and he says, <laughs> yeah, "Don't do this, man." Yeah, he like calls her the secretary, and he's like, "So, what do you want? what do you want for Christmas?" Because she's like, "Aren't you going to get me anything?" I like his response. He's like, "I hadn't really thought about it," <laughs> <laughs> um, but then he 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 does the step where he's like, "Yeah, what do you want?" And, he, and she's like, "I don't, you know, want supplies. I want jewelry you or want something. something pretty." Um, and, and he's so like, okay, we have this great scene, which is my beginning theory about why Rowan Atkinson, AKA Mr. Bean, if you don't know who Rowan Atkinson is, is you the didn't Christmas come angel. up with this. You read this. This is a theory. This is a fan theory. That... No, I, I did not know this. Oh, come on. No, no. I, what, what is this fan theory?
0: A fan theory is that he is the guardian angel in this movie.
1: Oh, I had no idea. Yeah. Yeah. That's which, that's the prevailing fan theory. It's, it's only like, so when I was thinking about this, the, I only really thought that when uh, Cause I'd forgotten he shows up at the end of the movie. Yeah. Um, he's only in these two scenes, pivotal scenes, pivotal scenes. But I, I wonder if he was in more stories that got left on the cutting room floor. That's possible. Um, but regardless, he, when Alan Rickman goes to buy this necklace, which is like, I actually like that necklace a yeah. lot. Um, he is not buying it for Emma Thompson, but he's shopping with Emma Thompson, dude. Like, <laughs> I'm sorry. Like, I don't approve of cheating, but if you are going to cheat and you want to be successful, don't (laughs) buy jewelry for somebody else when you're shopping with your wife. I mean, he is an incompetent cheater. Yeah, that's true. He's not very good at this. (laughs) Um, But Rowan Atkinson takes forever wrapping it up. And I think it's the best bit of comedy in this movie. Mm -hmm. It's Mm -hmm. so funny.
0: So Emma Thompson sneaks a peek. He eventually gets the necklace. Emma Thompson sneaks a peek and sees the necklace thinking it's for her. Then she finds out he actually got her a Joni Mitchell album, and he got the necklace for the woman, for Mia, and uh, we all cry when Emma Thompson listens to a great Joni Mitchell song.
1: Which do you know this song? Yeah, I mean, there's two versions of this song. Mm -hmm. This is such I. This is one of the earliest things that I found out about, like rock and roll history, mm -hmm. basically, where Joni Mitchell released a version of this song when she was very young. Yep, and it's. It's not necessarily a sad song. There's a little melancholy but to it's, it. But it's, it's light and breezy like this. I've looked at clouds from both sides now On up and down There's still some we It's
0: cloud illusions I recall I really
1: don't know clouds But... Later on, when she's aged a little bit more and she's gone through a lot more of life's shit, she releases this song. I've looked at love from both sides now from give and take and still somehow it's love's emotions that I recall I really don't know
0: Which is dramatic
1: and gorgeous and evocative. And it's kind of like if you took Emma Thompson's character from Sense and Sensibility, Mm -hmm. and she has a happy cry at the end. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like that first song. And Mm -hmm. then in this movie, she has a very sad cry. Very sad cry. And so later, the climax is she confronts
0: Alan Rickman, and Alan Rickman's like,
1: Fuck. (laughs) Yeah, because (laughs) presumably we see um, Mia with the necklace, but I don't think he's slept with her yet. I am fully 100% of the
0: camp that this is not a consummated affair.
1: It's like Emma Thompson kind of catches him beforehand.
0: Yeah, and And he totally realizes what a dolt he is.
1: Yeah, and like you see how much it hurts him to have hurt her but she's hurt so much more and like but in the scene where she confronts him about it uh, and he calls himself a fool like and she walks away i do think that they'll make it
0: yes we see them at the airport later and she says he's like how are you she's like i'm fine we're fine the key line i'm glad you're home i'm glad you're home yes
1: yeah that's the key line because it presu- I, presumably what he did was like sh- like what you have to wonder is either he went away on business or she's like, you need to leave for a little while and give me some space, mm. and like that's the way I fill it in. Yeah. Um, so on a scale of one to Christmas, uh, <laughs> three. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a very Christmassy story. Um, it's a sad story. Uh, what about one to love? Um, I don't know because it's really hard to say
0: in the sense of. It's not romantic love, what we're seeing. It's this is why you should get married, because not that it will end in hurt and betrayal, but we see the marriage
1: is at work with them dealing with it. Right. They There's something that lasts. Like she says, like, I don't know if this is, you know. Just a necklace and, um, you know, sleeping together, or if it's a necklace and love, that's really going to kill me. Yeah. And so you know that she loves him and wants to be with him. And presumably at the end, that same is true for him. And there's like a steadfastness there. So I'm going to give it a seven just because there is a lot of love. It's just not like romantic comedy i'm of. gonna
0: give it um i'm gonna give it a pass i'm, I'm pass? switching this to a pass fail system and okay. i'm giving it a
1: pass <laughs> okay yeah we can adapt <laughs> yeah all right well uh who's next we've
0: got liam neeson and his stepson um their their relationship we'll start with them and then we'll talk the stepson's yeah. relationship with joanna sure. so liam neeson lost his wife um and we see at the funeral that they play the bay city rollers and yeah. it's very nice
1: bye bye baby so he's the stepfather to this kid. He's yep. not his father. He's the stepfather. Yeah. And so now, like, like that's such an interesting... I like their relationship so much more because, like, it would be so easy for this kid not to get along with his dad, but yeah. since his dad is Liam Neeson and he is this kid... Yeah. Like they get along pretty swimmingly. Yeah. And there's and something wrong, and he finds out that actually this kid's actually in love with somebody. Mm-hmm. And so he wants to be his helper, his matchmaker guy. And I think, did you
0: feel this now that your dad's like, that's who I want to be? Like, that's the kind of dad I want to be yeah. where I'm a
1: buddy, I'm helpful, I'm a mentor. I like I'm Liam a Neeson as a dad. Yeah. Here. That's,
0: that's my role model.
1: Like they watch uh, Titanic together, and also they talk about how the kid, the girl the kid likes, His name, Joanna. And that was also his mom's name, which come on, Freud. Um, (laughs) But yeah. And so he encourages him. And at the end, like their, their whole thing is the kids like, ah, the way I can get her is by being a musician. Now this is two weeks to Christmas. So yeah, he I, learns you to play it the it to drums really in two weeks, which him. is buzzonka. Good job, kid. Because I so
0: I am a drummer. I learned drums. I couldn't play the drum set in two weeks. I could play the snare drum after a few weeks, but he he's dedicated. And I'm saying it's it's physically possible, but it's it's sure. admirable.
1: I don't, I don't think it breaks. I don't think it breaks logic. I just think it would make more sense to me if this happened in five weeks to Christmas. Yeah. But it se- it seemed like the, the problem with making a movie like this, what makes it hard is the timeline of right. things where I think that this was probably written that he would start playing drums earlier, but it didn't work in the edit and there wasn't enough story to fill out yeah. at the end. Yeah. And so they kind of spread out their story. Yeah, you just kind of have to buy it. Yeah. Um. So yeah, he has got a crush.
0: We'll, we'll move on to the kid. We'll, we'll kind of combine these. Yeah. Uh, he's got a crush on Joanna. She's an American girl and she's going to move... Um, back to America
1: (laughs) and this makes like and and she's cute and her mom's a famous singer and she's a singer and they have this thing where she sings and she points at all people about her being I
0: (laughs) I love this moment because
1: she's doing the thing it's the climactic moment of the movie and she's
0: singing and then she looks at Sam and she points at him and all I want for Christmas is you and his eyes are like
1: oh my god (laughs) but then she turns and she starts pointing at everybody and he's like son of a (laughs) bitch (laughs) (laughs) and the song ends he's like Fuck! <laughs> and he's, he's so mad about it. And um, what's ultra crazy about this moment that you don't think about because it's a rom- romantic comedy and you're too caught up in the story at this point in time. But what the plan is, is halfway through the school year, this girl's going to go back to America and she's going to leave like... The minute that the Christmas pageant is over, imagine logistically as a dad being like, okay, we're going to go to a Christmas pageant. We're going to sing and then we're off to America. We're not going to go home and pack. We're not going to like do it canon. in the morning. No, <laughs> Here's
0: my headcanon. Here's my headcanon. She was planning to move back to America for months. They find out when the pageant is and the dad does the inverse of that where he's like, you know what? I'm going to move some things around, but I think I can actually squeeze in the pageant before we have to go back. The dad? the I'm imagining the dad is scheduling the flights for them for the, their family and be oh. like, we were going to leave like that day, but I, I got a later flight so she can still sing in the
1: pageant. Okay. I was just confused. Cause we didn't see her dad. I, I, <laughs> so I, I this just, is, this is an imaginary dad. Yeah, well,
0: Someone it. is scheduling their flights. Sure. I just assumed someone in their family just was like, you know, we're going to make this work.
1: We're okay. Gonna, I like gonna, that. That's my head. Well, Cause like the mom puts on the whole, basically put on the Christmas uh, yeah. pageant. Put on the show. So, I mean, she's had to have stayed there. So they run to the airport. <laughs> Uh, mm-hmm.
0: Sam runs after her in the deleted scenes. He Jedi leaps through yeah, this airport. He does
1: gymnastics through the airport. It, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a goofy and I'm glad it isn't actually. And Richard in Curtis movie. talks
0: about it. And he's like, yep, I was so wrong on that one. Like what a <laughs> stupid idea.
1: It's, it's, it's straight out of like spy kids kind yeah, of Yeah, really bad, but, Good but the actual moment bit. is the kid runs from a bunch of cops at the airport, which is. I think there's something so magical about this moment because it's crazy that it happens. But, um, oh, also the way he gets in there is Rowan Atkinson, like- Guardian Angels. Guardian gets, Angels gives, and, gives, and gives gets, him, an gets in. him through. But uh, but every kid
0: Im- imagines themselves pulling one over on the uh, adults.
1: Yeah, on the man, really, yeah. at this point. And it really makes the airport seem less, there's something about this moment that makes the airport seem less scary, even though he's being chased <laughs> by cops. Because it's like, love- will even break down these borders that we've made for ourselves. Yeah, love conquers weird, all. Yeah, way. Uh, and so he gets and, a kiss. Yeah. And, and then later on he it's gets really a, cute. You know, he sees her in an airport again and it's yeah. like, good for you guys having a long distance relationship at 12. Yeah. Okay, so one through Christmas. Um, This is, I think this is like a, there's not a lot of Christmas here. It ends with like a big Christmas moment, but I think it's a six on the Christmas scale because it more has to do with like a kid being in love with somebody else. This is this is more like a eight and a half on a love scale for me. Yeah.
0: Okay. So for me it's a seven on the Christmas scale because she invokes the um, wizardry of Mariah Carey's Christmas single. Sure. So yeah, that, that's that big. deserves a yeah. seven. And then yeah, an eight, eight for for love. Puppy love. Nice it's puppy love. Nice puppy love. Yeah. Okay, moving on. Kira Knightley, Chiwetel 4 and The Walking Dead, Andrew Lincoln. Andrew dead, the Lincoln the, Memorial, The Walking Dead's Andrew Lincoln. The Lincoln shot in the back of the head, Andrew. <laughs> Christmas uh, man. So the setup is we are at the the wedding between Kira and Chiwetel, um, and Andrew Lincoln's filming it for him, and he's the he's he throws them like weird curve balls of interesting things.
1: It's so cool though like if you had done this at my wedding you would have been such a better best I man. Know, I know I told
0: Rachel I'm like Kelly wishes he had friends that would do this but he, what he doesn't realize is he is the friend that does this. Yeah, unfortunately and I'm and I was telling Rachel I'm like and I'm sad
1: that I can't be that person Kelly wants me you to be. You should see the video I got of Sarah when I was best man at your wedding. <laughs> Gross um, the yeah so he's Oh, and the singer that comes out and sings is actually like 1999's top number one singer in, in oh, okay. the UK. I was
0: like, and starring not, not Seal. <laughs> Seal.
1: Yeah, basically. Um, so basically Andrew Lincoln has a crush on Kira Knightley, but treats the, her poorly so that she doesn't know.
0: Yeah, and the setup they try to do, and I never went in on this, is Laura Lenny comes up to him and he's like, are you in love with him because he's staring at them?
1: Yeah, so uh, like- are, like she she sees him staring at them and she's like, hey, are you in love with, you know, Chetwell Ejiofor?
0: Yeah. And it's like nice try movie, but you didn't really set that up very well. That's the one thing where it's like Richard Curtis is trying to do a switcheroo on you where you think. Yeah,
1: like, I think if if you leaned into that a little bit harder, it would have been a more interesting story where you think he's in love with his best friend, but he's actually in love with his best friend's girlfriend. Right, yeah. right. And I, I don't if think this It was this made, a, if if, Go ahead, sorry. I just don't think it's a bad moment. I think it's no. just a little unfulfilled.
0: If it was made today, they would do the opposite. Yeah. It would be he was in love with him.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I think that would have been a better story.
0: Right. Yeah. Uh, so, no, he is in love with Kieran Knightley. And this is the most famous scene where he does the Bob Dylan cards for her. Mm -hmm. And
1: she's like, Oh, what a cute stalker. (laughs) Uh, Robin always has a problem with this because she's like, what if he answered the door?
0: I asked the same question to Rachel and Rachel's like, he knows that his best friend won't.
1: Yeah. That's what, that's what I feel. And then like, he knows he's a layabout, so he's not going to get up once she's down there for too long. And Rachel's like, if you went to Kelly's house, who's going to open the door? I'm like, Kelly. <laughs> like,
0: I knew. For sure. And it's not because Robin's got Elowen, like, just at hand. No, it, she's just lazy.
1: <laughs> she's not lazy. But you're you're the one who opens the door, and yeah. I just know that about you. Um, yeah, totally. Totally. And, you know, same thing with, with you. I think... Neither of us Neither open, the door. Of you open the door because I just always <laughs> just come, come in. I'm like the
0: Fonz. Yeah. You just come in. So he, he con- he confesses his love. She figures it out because of the videos. He confesses his love in the way that he does.
1: And then he leaves. She kisses him, which I'm like, why? <laughs> um, It's a, it's a pretty friendly kiss. And I think it's, I think it's something for her to say like, Hey, if we hang out again, I, I understand your feelings. I, I it's not going to be horrible between us. I wouldn't want that to happen to me. That would be too hurtful for me. I think it's necessary if if they're going to if he makes this strong move in order to, because basically earlier in their relationship, she finds out and he just ghosts. He's like, uh, I can't handle this right now. He's like, basically the reason I've been mean to you is because it's like self preservation. Good line. And so he comes clean and he's like, Hey, I really love you. And he could have just written her an email, (laughs) I guess, but this, this way there's no evidence. (laughs) And, um, and then he leaves and, I think she does an extremely noble thing where she's like, look, I, it took probably a lot of you from you to admit this to me. Right. Like I'm going to put a seal on this and say, this is where we leave this. It wouldn't be a seal for me. It reminds me of
0: George Lucas's Star Wars episode two, Attack of the Clones, where Anakin Skywalker is speaking to Padme Amidala and he pod says, Padme Amidala, pod racer Amidala, <laughs> <laughs> Padme Amidala. And he says, I'm haunted by the kiss that you shouldn't have given me. And it just seems like I, I would just be like, Oh
1: man, what could this have been? Now I'm even more confused. I've had somebody give me a, a goodbye, kiss. a goodbye kiss like this before. And there's something where if somebody can kiss you and not, like lean in and kiss you more, you know that nothing's going to happen. I
0: guess so. I've only kissed a couple of people in my life.
1: (laughs) There's, there's just no, there's something in saying, look, I understand you and maybe in another life, but it's not going to happen. And it's through this very simple kiss. It couldn't, it can't work for everybody. Like it wouldn't work for you, Right. but it's happened to me before. And it was such a, like a button or a, a tie on yeah. the end of this part of us thinking of a relationship that it actually worked.
0: But my only other thing with it is okay, Keira Knightley explain this story to your husband.
1: Well, and that's the thing. Explain everything you did. They can't because, and it's not because of her kissing him because I think that he'd be upset about it, but he'd be fine with it right? because it was just like a goodbye friend kiss. Right. But I think he'd be more upset at his friend because he wouldn't know how to act around
0: right it's complicated and that's why she's kind of safe because it's like well you don't want me telling you this about your friend so i'm not going to tell you anything
1: and you see the three of them hanging out at the end of the movie and it's it's not perfect but it's better
0: yeah and i i i love his line of enough yeah. Enough. Enough now. And yeah. that's, that's kind of a thing that I've had to tell myself about moving on from all the girls that never liked me back. Yeah. I just have to be like enough. They don't like you move on.
1: <laughs> there's this, um, moment where, uh, he like, he first like leaves when he's like all wigged out because she found the video. And, um, he like freaks out in the middle of a square and mm-hmm. there's this great extra who like jumps like, back oh my from God. <laughs> him. It's, it's good work. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So that's them. Um, one to Christmas. Uh, one to Christmas, it's like, it's such an iconic scene. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm still only going to give it a seven Christmas, though. Same. Seven yeah, Christmas. Seven Christmas. And love, I'm going to give this an 8.5 because I've been there.
0: Yeah, I'm going to give it an eight because unrequited love. Sucks. Feel it, bro. All, All okay. right.
1: Laura Linney, Speaking of unrequited love.
0: <laughs> Laura Lenny and
1: Carl. Carl. And Laura's brother. We've seen Carl before. Um, we saw him in the baby movie. What was that? Um, Everybody wants a
0: baby. How to expect what to expect and when to expect it.
1: What to expect when you want babies. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so he was JLo's husband in that, but Laura Linney works for Alan Rickman. Wait, can I just say, I love their adoption scene in that movie. Yeah.
0: It's really good. Just wanted to, you know, sing my praises one more time. Mm.
1: um, so Laura Linney has a huge crush on Carl and we get that through her conversation with Alan Rickman and Carl has a huge crush on her and Alan Rickman's just like, do Do it fucking already. (laughs) Come on. And so, um, he asks her to dance at a Christmas party. And Emma then, Thompson's a great wingman. Oh, she's a great. And this is right when Emma Thompson's heart is starting to be broken. Yeah,
0: but she does a great, like she Emma Thompson's talking to Laura Lenny, and Carl comes up to her, and Emma Thompson just pipes the fuck up. She's like, yeah. oh,
1: nope. And she takes she, she's ready to take the drink before Laura no, yeah. Go dance with it's him. Go dance with him. It's great. Great wingman. And then they go to have sex back at home. And it's just so sweet. Laura Lenny is one of the best actors in this movie. And uh, she's like all does the excited dance.
0: Yeah. Rachel is explaining this actor thing going on because they give Laura Linney a moment to clean up her room. Mm -hmm. And Rachel is explaining like it's an actor thing to like frantically do stuff. And it like gets them into the character mode. She'll have to call in and explain what it was. Um, But like we see her clean up her her house. We see her how frantic she is. Mm -hmm. So much is revealed from like 30 seconds.
1: Right. It's Beautiful, because she asked him to stay downstairs and I was thinking about this a lot, acting wise. She has to go upstairs and choose what she cleans up first. Yeah. And you'd think it's not like a a tough thing to pull off because it's not like there's dialogue in this moment. There there's the emotions are all like you were saying, frantic and kind of interior. We're we're getting how she's feeling and what she's cleaning like what matters to this character as far as a clean room like that tells us something about her character right where she puts like her stuffed animal where she puts her clothes she just piles all of her old clothes on a chair so she wants it to be clean but she doesn't care that much Mm -hmm. right like it just reveals so much and then carl's super hot so so is laura lenny and they start almost making love Mm -hmm. because you know these two are gonna make love. they're gonna make love yeah and then
0: she gets a call from uh, her brother lives in a uh, adult care facility, and it's the movie like tries to make humor out of it, but it's like in this day and age of how we see mental health, it's like this feels a little cringy that we're kind of making fun of this guy for being sick and having weird thoughts. I
1: don't think this movie's doing that at all. Um, that's how I felt. Which which part felt funny to you? She's like
0: oh, no, I can't get a hold of the prime minister for you or, or the pope or something like that.
1: No. It felt like a silly, it felt like it was going for a joke. Oh, I didn't see that at all. To me, it was, um, it indicated to him specifically because the way she answered the phone, it almost seems like she's cheating with him. Uh, because she she picks up the phone and she's like no 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 I'm fine I can talk uh, oh I'm I, don't worry I'm not busy right and so w- as soon as uh, they talk about like getting on the phone with the Pope or Mick ja- Mick Jagger whoever yeah uh, Bon Jovi um, right it's that very felt like a joke to me at his expense oh it didn't at all to me mm. but yeah I mean I can see that to me what it was was indicating very much to Carl yeah that, that this it's... conversation is happening out of the realm of our reality. A, yeah, so a it's normal. It's, yeah. it's, it's with someone who isn't in like a state of mind that m- yeah. would be outside it, of a facility. I, I understand, you know, what yeah. it's doing. So, yeah. well, she, they, they start making, making the love again. Cause Carl's super cool. Yeah. And
0: then, but then she gets interrupted again. She has to go and she just, she can't not. Yeah. And I wish, I wish we had more time with the storyline. Cause Me it's too. like, does she need to take the call because no one else is there at the facility to take care, take care of him? Or is it her it's, – it's a very interesting conflict. Is it her problem or is it her, her plight? Yeah. Is it, is it a problem – Or is with, it both? Is it her problem of putting up boundaries
1: mm-hmm.
0: or is she just burdened with something that's unfair in life?
1: Or secret option number three, does she also need him? Uh, because like we, we get that their parents died. And at the end of the movie, after Carl leaves, because basically she goes to take care of him. And it's a very serious moment where, and it's so, it's such a moving moment where she's talking to him and she's trying to relate to her brother. And then he almost hits her mm -hmm. and she like grabs him and like the, um, mental health, like assistant comes out and grabs him as well. And, um, she like, holds his hand and she's like don't do that darling and mm-hmm. it's such a sincere moment and then later on he like reaches out and grabs her because he wants to apologize and like have affection and it's this real it's this re- most real moment probably in the movie besides Emma Thompson's converse like crying conversation yeah but uh, the
0: the story but- Go ahead. I'll go ahead. Go ahead. ahead. The story ends with um, it just being her and Carl just can't have a relationship because of this problem with her brother, which it's ambiguous. Is it her problem with setting boundaries? Is it her burden? She calls
1: him at the end. He doesn't call her. She picks up her phone and calls him.
0: Oh.
1: And so that's what. Like, she's alone except for with him. And so I don't know if it's also, like, a two-way street there.
0: Yeah, but I do think this is the only story that's kind of bullshit. Me too. Like, it's just, like, you gave us a, like, wah-wah ending with Emma Thompson and Alan Rickman where we got neither, like, dramatic crumbles or a triumphant love conquers all. We got got the realist ending with them.
1: Right. And it's not even that this is a realist ending. It's a... There is no ending. Yeah, it's
0: just kind like, of like, well, they could have had something, but you know, all this bullshit with her brother. What can you do? It's like,
1: more. Keep going like, yeah, show us more. Yeah. Like at least at least give us an indication that there will be more or there won't be more because I feel like it lands so in the middle that I'm just not sure. Cuz it's too ambiguous cuz Carl's just kind of like, well, Bye. Well, no, I think Carl is the one showing emotion in that last scene. Yes. Yeah, because but she's like she's the one stone faced. But he doesn't do what Colin
0: Firth does. He doesn't do what Hugh Grant does. Right. He doesn't triumphantly chase her down. Right. And
1: there's this essential moment where, she, um, like, she takes this second call, and um, they're just quiet together, and it's sad. What they could have had Carl do? Like, do you want to rewrite the movie at this point? Yeah. You write your first draft with your heart and you rewrite with your head I think what they could have had Carl do is show up with her yeah like he could have gone with her to meet this person or at yes. least offered to. Yeah. And just be like, look, I don't care what's going
0: on in your life. I like you. Yeah. We all have our stuff.
1: Like, I want to be with try it. to make it work past this one evening.
0: Yeah. I'm not like you, when you're, when you fall in love with a person, you fall in love with their whole life. Yeah. And you know, this is your life and I want to be there. And what seems so bogus
1: about this movie is he seems so much that person, but, he but doesn't we never see him through. it. Yeah. yeah. Doesn't fall through so I yeah it seems bullshit miss yeah miss opportunity bullshit. there Mr. Curtis okay so one through Christmas uh one through Christmas I think I'm gonna give this actually an eight on Christmas because it's it's sad but they're spending Christmas together is is a, a big moment so eight for me yeah eight and then one to love I think this is more on the lust scale yeah and there's no follow-through so on gonna the I'm gonna give this love. a five I'm gonna give it a five too hey Five. Give each other a five. <laughs>
0: uh, who's next? Okay, Martin Freeman and Just Judy. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> um, Where they are both stand-ins for this adult film, which is the most expensive adult film in the history of humanity.
1: Yeah, it's um, it's like the the film. What what is uh not pine it's, this is like pinewood studios yeah. film <laughs> yeah and it's just like these guys are they're not the porn
0: actors they're the stand-ins for the porn for, actors for like the lighting tests and because everything. you know porn actors have so much going on that they couldn't be bothered be bothered at all
1: well okay i'm thinking about this logistically okay let's say let's say you're on this extra expensive porn set and you have like work to do as an actor <laughs> um and you know, keeping it up for a while. Like this is why they there's like sure, fluffers well, you know, and stuff. But they're stuff. not
0: filming ever. You don't have to be on. You I mean, don't. You know how
1: long it takes to light a set. Yeah, and but like I said, you don't. You don't need to be. You know, ready to go. It's, it's ridiculous, but I don't think this doesn't exist in the real world. I'm not going to investigate.
0: <laughs> I'm not going to double check to see if hey, it gets this uh, high. Listeners, high if you
1: know anybody or are somebody in this position, let us know. Right in. I um, really don't like your use of the word position here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, the position that these people are in is quite diverse um, but they are it's a really sweet it's the most... I don't want to say juvenile. It's the most surface level kind of. They're uh, very bashful, coy people. Yeah. They meet, they're at work. They they're have exactly to be, who you think Martin Freeman would be in real life. Yeah.
0: And they have to do stand in stuff for porn people. And so they're in very compromising positions with one another.
1: But they don't seem like it. They just seem like they're two people meeting each other at like a, like they, they might like as well be working at a, at a toy shop together. Yeah. Right? Yeah, And so yeah. they're in spite of being naked
0: with each other. They're very bashful with one another. Right. And so I get that on a theoretical stage. But I, every time I watch this movie I'm like this is fucking weird, man. This is just really a, it's a weird storyline for me. It's like I'm not I'm not against nakedness with one another, but it's just kind of like it's hard for me to get into it because it is so bizarre. Like you don't meet people like this. No one meets people like this unless you are actually in that industrial side of things, which I would say is which the vast is why minority it's interesting. To me. I guess it's interesting, like because it's because not we, relatable.
1: Not relatable. I no. I completely disagree on this point. I think because <laughs> you do so much naked work these days. No, no, no. But uh, this is this is the um, I think where you and I come down differently in our relatability to certain movies. Mm-hmm. If you can't see yourself in that exact position. Like, or you don't relate to that person on whether it's like uh, sexual, their gendered, yeah, that's what I'm talking about is like, this is not a, this is not a, it doesn't matter what this couple does. Mm-hmm. It only matters that they are two people who are bashful and it's only enhanced by the fact that they're in such a compromised position.
0: I, I can't see myself ever being prime minister or president, mm-hmm. but I really relate to Hugh Grant. Because I think what that storyline is doing is being like, okay, prime minister versus president. It's still just a dude and another dude feeling this rivalry. Uh-huh. And that feels relatable where their job job has nothing to do with the romantic tension. Uh-huh. This, the job is so distracting. The circumstance is so weird. So and it's so distracting so di- to you. Yeah. It's just okay. like, I can't, I can't boil this down to a circumstance where I can relate to it.
1: It was distracting to me when I was in like, um, 10th grade because of, obvious reasons because of boobs. Yeah. But like once I saw this in college, it, what it reminded me of was having a crush on somebody at a job where you were forced to work with them all the time and didn't know how to navigate conversations. And they, it felt But that how's
0: that different from Hugh Grant and Natalie? Cause that's also a workplace tension
1: thing. Well, in, in this one, they're both actually bashful people and not suave. And on top of that, they're coworkers. They're not a boss and his, um, underling. Yeah. But this is the only one that I'm just kind of
0: bored with. Cause it's, it's, it's kind of flat. It's just kind of like, it's a gimmick where it's like, eh, get it. They're naked
1: together. And it's like, yeah, no, it's funny. Their story, but their storyline is, I mean, I, I don't think it's not flat necessarily, but I don't find it uninteresting mm-hmm. where their storyline, we only get like them five times or something. Yeah. And, um, each one, we see them basically, get closer and closer with each other emotionally mm-hmm. and so- socially
0: Yeah. Um, while they're like- Being forced physically
1: into- I don't think they're being forced. Not forced, but <laughs> they're required yeah, by work by to work, be physically- To be physically close. And so what it does is it strips all of that away. And then when they do have their first kiss, it's so innocent and bashful. Yeah. And they're like, their butts are very far away from each other, which yeah. feels unrealistic- but it's going for this dramatic irony thing. It's like, I get it, yeah. but you know, whatever. <laughs> and my favorite part of them is when like their friend is like, So, uh, she's been so cagey about where you met, where like, and um, they're like, um, uh, um, <laughs> which I totally get because there's like those people that like back in like 2009 when it was weird to meet people on the internet, I uh-huh. had those friends who were like, I was like, Oh, where'd you guys meet? And they were like, Um, <laughs> well, we, uh, we, you know, uh, and it would take them a while to get to that point. Yeah. And that would, that's very real. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Um, so one through Christmas. One through Christmas. I think it's like a two <laughs> because <laughs> yeah, there's, there's just really nothing no Christmassy Christmas. about it. Yeah.
0: Two for Christmas. And then love
1: I'll give it, I'm going to give it a seven. I'll maybe. give it a seven too. Yeah. Cause it is, it's I, really cute. I mean, I'm going to push it to an eight.
0: Okay. It's a seven for me. I just, I think it likes, it lacks a, a dime dy- a dynamicness
1: I, to I it. I would like I don't want to see this full movie, but I want to see this short film.
0: Yeah, but there's not really any conflict to them. Yeah. He's just kind of afraid to ask her out and then I he think, does.
1: I think the conflict could have been if we want to rewrite the movie again, is uh there were other stand-ins or something where wouldn't it be funny <sighs> if if he if like they were standing in with somebody else but still having a conversation with each other off screen.
0: And and uh-huh. she is becoming not the standard. She's actually getting used in the movie. And he's like, Oh, uh, Oh, you're actually going to be in the scene
1: with this, this guy. Yeah. I don't know. I don't it'll like be a, that as much. Be a rivalry. It, I guess it's, it's, it's physical jealousy in a place where like physicality doesn't exist as much for them. So I think that's bringing in something that would sour it for me.
0: Oh, well, well, okay. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, you write it however you want. <laughs> okay. Who's
0: next? Uh, we have Colin Frizzle, sex god. Colin Frizzle, and he, Colin. This is, is actually
1: more flat. He's <laughs> just
0: a total loser with girls. He doesn't know how to talk to them.
1: He's he's a mess. He's a wreck, and he's like, girls yeah. in
0: Britain are stuck up. It's like, and no, you have got well, really bad
1: game. Yeah, not only bad game, but like he he's like, try my lovely nuts, it's and it's like, like no, dude, mm, no, no, don't do that. Saying,
0: this is not working for you, buddy. Don't, that's not working
1: for anybody. Yeah, and so
0: he's like, I'm gonna go to. <laughs> I really like his delivery where he's like. I'm really cute. He's like,
1: no, you're not. He's like, yes, I am. Yes, I am. <laughs> he's like, because uh, they're talking about his accent, and then he does the <laughs> yes, most <I> annoying <laughs> British accent. I think um, he's a really good actor. And yeah. I think this is a character. He, along with, I think, every other character, one of the things that Richard Curtis does so well is they are both charming, and they are making fun of themselves at the same time, whether it's Billy yeah. Mack, whether it's like... Liam Neeson being a sad sack, whether it's like, um, I don't know, Natalie being just like somebody who swears a lot. Nobody's perfect in this movie. And I love that so much. He's a little bit more self-aware than Spike is in Notting Hill. Yeah. Um, but his, his confidence, um, pushes towards arrogance and the dramatic irony of this is he's like, I'm going to go to America and meet some hot babes. And the whole time the first time you're watching this movie is like oh no you're not because his friend's like no you're not the
0: setup is like this dude is doomed
1: yeah he's gonna get there and he's gonna find no hot people but like you could have taken this one of two ways where he like gets there and has a horrible time but then meets somebody who's like not that hot right and but and falls, he like falls has a love story head with over them. heels in love right but the way they go, which is also good, is he meets the hottest people in America at a bar, and they all want to sleep with him together.
0: And so I see it as this like this line where it's like, it's the, the normal way that all these other storylines are going is that we're going to find a nuanced understanding between them. Right. And Richard Curtis is like, nope. And he just like inverts it and just flips
1: into this thing where you're just like, this is ridiculous. And yet it works. It works really well. And um, I think it's because... They, they go silly but not too silly yeah the Americans in this movie you have Laura Linney um, you have the other Americans that he, he is with the, the Americans he's with and then you have uh, the uh, the president and so right all of them but Laura Linney are cartoons yeah <laughs> <laughs> which I'm like fair you can uh. make make us cartoons but he he ends
0: up with Shannon Elizabeth January Jones Elisha Cuthbert Ivana Milosevic um, and later we, well, we don't meet Shannon Elizabeth or Denise Richards until the end of the movie. Right. And, uh, Shannon Elizabeth was just coming off of American pie. She was like, Oh, the hottest. thing. She was the yeah. Megan Fox of the day.
1: And um, so was Denise Richards. And you should, you should go check out the, um, the credits for all these people. Cause it's like, um, Sarah, the quote sexy one <laughs> or, or whatever her name the was. The friendly one. Yeah. Um, so one through
0: Christmas, it's not really Christmassy. Yeah,
1: I'm gonna give this a like. It's wintry in Wisconsin, so I'm gonna give it a four. Yeah, I'm gonna it give it a looks like Christmas. Sure, we can give it a four, and then love. Eh, there's no love here. No. Well, he it presumably he starts dating um, one of them and also brings her sister along to date his friend. Sure. I'll give it a five,
0: five. Yeah. Good luck. But it's not,
1: it's not a story that we find moving at all. No, no, no. It's just funny. Yeah. Okay. And then finally, speaking of moving, Mm -hmm. um, Colin Firth and Aurelia. So Colin Firth is a writer. He discovers his girlfriend
0: is cheating on him with his
1: brother, which sucks two betrayals, double betrayed. Um, also there's something like there's perfect casting for his girlfriend because she's like quote unquote sick, and, but she's like sitting at home. Just, she looks so sexy, but she just, there's something about her look that it's like, you cheat on everybody. <laughs> I don't know <laughs> I don't why trust you. I, I didn't trust her from, from drop and lo and behold. And so he does, I turned to Robin. He he goes to some place in France and writes, right? Yeah. It's like a captain in the countryside. And I turned to Robin and I said, I don't want you to break my heart, but I want you to do so- – I want something to- – can you manufacture something to happen where I have to go away for a while and write yeah. somewhere like this? Because there's something about being sad and going somewhere in writing that I – I haven't had cuz my life's been pretty great recently. Yeah,
0: but there's some kind of <laughs> extraordinary self-care that he's employing. Here. Yeah, it it's it looked so great. But it's kind of fucking privileged self-care because he can just go and spend months at this at this, well, I guess it's not month; it's weeks. We only see a few weeks of him doing this, and then he it goes looks home. like it
1: looks like three to four weeks. Three
0: to four weeks, and he's working and he's writing, and it's yeah. and it's and you know it's what you're working up to because yeah. these past few weeks you've been getting paid doing writing, yeah. so which you know finally maybe maybe 11 years maybe
1: it's not a crime novel but you're getting there yeah so i mean he seems like somebody who's a slightly successful writer when we see his apartment it looks nicer yeah Um, he lives in london so
0: he's got to be doing well for himself
1: yeah and he so he flies to france and um his the person who's caretaking for him is from portugal i have an issue with this that we'll get to at the end okay um we're
0: pretty much at the end
1: no no uh, of this story okay so not, not with their relationship. Okay. So basically, she doesn't speak English. She doesn't speak Portuguese and Portuguese. And they they have a lot of fun conversations where we get what she's saying through subtitles. And they're basically having the same conversation. Yeah. They just don't know it. And it's kind of shtick. It's like Richard Curtis shtick. Yeah, but I
0: find it charming. It's charming, but it's just kind of like, yeah, if you tried to make a whole movie out of this, it would get old. But sure. doing it short film, short film style with them,
1: yeah it feels like a spike jones in thing where it's not as clever visually but it's doing the same thing like uh through dialogue yeah yeah so um he writes there's this moment where um she lifts his mug off of uh a bunch of papers and they all fly away and uh they both jump in a lake and have a really charming moment she takes off clothes and he's like wow she is hot and it's like had you not noticed before yeah (laughs) and uh they, You can tell they're falling in love with each other, but there's nowhere to go because mm-hmm. they can't understand each other. But it's something
0: I really relate to them a lot because it's like, there is a, you can have this warmth between people and not have that language. And yeah. It, it is a little flat and it is it is a little misogynistic in a certain point because he doesn't get to know her and just is like, and maybe not misogyny is the right word, but kind of uh, vapid, shallow.
1: I think it's just, it's... I don't think it's unrealistic that they could fall in love with each other mm-hmm. um, at all. It's just, I think, coupled alongside all of the other stories in this movie, it it takes on a little bit of um, like employer-employee yeah. thing. But
0: I think you could have pulled it off in a fully fleshed out movie to communicate to us that a genuine love story where they truly have equitable love between them can happen even if they don't speak the same language.
1: Yeah. Where they come to like, that's the beautiful thing about this is they come to understand each other in a way. Yeah. And it's sticky because like at one point in time, after she saves his novel, he's like, um, she's like, you could give me like 20% of the profits. And he's like, I could give you 5% of the profits. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, they, they make fun of like Colin Firth like that. And, yeah. They um, make him a, he's kind of a boob. Yeah. And, but he's like a good guy. He's. I think the difference is, we we get to know her character a little bit through how she responds to him, mm-hmm. but we know more about him because she's like, "You're a bad driver, and um, you do this weirdly." But he doesn't. We don't get to know how much he knows about her in observation.
0: But we know from her dialogue that she
1: seems to be a kind, sweet person. Yes. Um. And so basically, they split up. Do they kiss? Um, or do they hug? Oh, the kiss is my
0: favorite kiss in yeah. many a movie. One yeah. of my favorite kisses yeah, kiss. ever. Yeah, is that he drops her off for the final time, and it's very sad because they don't want this to be the last time they see each other. And she kisses him in a way that I always wished I would have been kissed, and I never have you talked to Sarah about this. You could probably I make get kissed happen. like that now, but it's there's. <laughs> It's the drama of the kiss, right?
1: Where it's like we aren't going to see each other, and that's sad. But I need to communicate so much through this kiss, and it's like they can't—they couldn't have talked to each other, and
0: he's not in a position to do it and not—not not do
1: I, it fairly. I think. I think there's also yes. I, I think it's important that she kisses him, but in in addition, like they couldn't have started learning each other's language without set like doing not their lives. Cause she's working and presumably is like a little bit more lower income at the moment. And right. he's working. And if he like you, I'm sorry, you can't take time to learn a language as you're writing a novel. Right. That's, <laughs> it would be very, Maybe difficult. he finished his draft. Who, yeah. Who knows? But, but what I mean is to say is like, they got as close as they could have during this time. Yeah. Seemingly. And
0: this, while living their life, this kiss is so, is so dramatically telling that it's a confirmation of like maybe it was he's thinking maybe it was just me but I, I feel this warmth and attraction to her but it's almost silly like we don't know each other. Yeah. But but then she kisses him and he just is aghast for long beats. <laughs> and then and then, and then gets he gets in a car, car accident. <laughs> but I I am so moved by that of like oh my. Yeah. Like
1: yeah it's really good wow. And then um they both they this is another famous scene from the movie where they both learn the language we see him learning the language and then um he he goes home for christmas and then you know, sees his <laughs> brother there and his whole family and he's like man's gotta do what a man's gotta do and I leaves he doesn't leave uncle the Jay-B. presents. <laughs> he doesn't leave the presents, which is very funny but yes robin's favorite line in the movie i hate uncle, uncle Jamie. Jamie. i hate him um and then he goes to okay this is the weird thing for me uh-huh he flies to Marseille, uh-huh. france right uh-huh then Presumably, he goes to Portugal.
0: Um, I think he goes to Little Portugal.
1: Okay, that's that must be what it is because, uh, in case Americans don't know, there's a whole country between France right. and there's Portugal.
0: Not, it does. I don't s- understand the a very logical connection um, but in he, terms of like. Maybe spill over because I can understand going to like Southern California and like there's a lot of Mexican culture in sure. Mexico yeah, yeah. just because of geography. Yeah.
1: And right. So possibly possibly there's like a us because he goes and finds her dad and her sister and they both speak Portuguese and then they go to a restaurant and they're speaking Portuguese in there. And so it must be little Portugal. All right. Yeah. <laughs> And um then he's like, I love you. I want I know we don't know each other very much, but again, funny language stuff. Yeah. And and then it, she she also knows a little English and says just in cases. Just in case. Which is really cute.
0: My answer is being yes. And she's
1: super adorable. And there's a lot of marriage at the end of this movie because yeah. they after knowing each other for well, they know each other for five weeks and then they like spend a month apart. And then he proposes. Not impossible, but they don't know very each other very much at all. Yeah. Um, then the other couple that gets engaged at the end, or married actually, is uh, Martin Freeman and what's her name? A month later. Oh, right. Yeah. That's right. But they, they have a much closer relationship because yeah. they've worked together for a while and then presumably over the next they've month. They've seen everything. They've they seen everything. everything, everything. Um, and that's basically our our people. That's uh, that's, that's it. We try to get the story through as quickly so as So, since could. the baby is uh, is uh, having problems, we'll go check we'll on it. Take them. a break
0: and we'll be back, be back, back for, for trope, trope
1: talk. talk. And we're back with trope talk. And I don't even have a trope because this movie is just tropes. Yeah, this movie is like, hey, this is what rom coms and Christmas is, so <sighs> we're gonna do it. Here's the thing if we
0: had to like typify this movie, it it does. It does feel kind of flimsy and kind of plastic mm-hmm. compared to other Richard Curtis films like Four Weddings, Notting Hill, and especially About Time which feels the most substantial like art mm-hmm. where it's like really thoughtful, mm-hmm. really philosophical and mm-hmm. it's got a gimmick
1: but it's it's just a strong sci-fi plot. Sure. This is like a package. This yeah, this I mean it doesn't feel manufactured per se, what it feels like is an exercise. And one that is done expertly.
0: Yeah. And especially compared to the other ensemble films we've seen. Because everyone is copying this one.
1: Yes. Yes. This is the template. This is the progenitor. This is like um, watching Die Hard and then watching all the movies that came after. Or like The Mummy we were talking about the other week, right?
0: But something about this doesn't feel like it's starting from a place of art. It does kind of feel like a Christmas pageant. Where it's like we have Mm. a Christmas Mm -hmm.
1: romantic comedy with all of your favorite film stars. And they're all, like, woven together. But not in a, Like, again, this movie's done so expertly that it doesn't feel forced.
0: It's one of those things where it's like, you don't realize that the thing that you're consuming is a corporately made, like, <laughs> product. But it is. Mm. But it, it it's done so well that you don't mind.
1: Yeah, I mean, the, the way I see this movie is it's like going to Red Robin.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: So... You, you go and you're like, oh, yeah, I have this burger and it's got bacon and egg on it. And it's really tasting. There's av- even avocado and these steak fries. They're unlimited. You mean what? I can have as many as I want and a milkshake and a drink afterwards? Yeah, sure. There's like annoying kids. And sure. Yeah, it's not the best food in the world at all. But it's so much better than McDonald's. Right. That I'm going to enjoy it. So it's been a long time since I've been to
0: Red Rock. <laughs> yeah. Let me just ask you, how how. What on a star rating do you give this movie just overall across the board? Not even thinking about it as a Christmas movie, not anything about it, anything else. Just where do you, where do you rank it? One to 10 or one to five?
1: Your call. Well, since we've been doing, um, uh, so like this movie has its, its flaws that I can acknowledge and then say. When I'm watching the movie, I don't care anymore because I mm-hmm. know they exist. It's, it's like hanging out w- with your uncle. <laughs> no, I'm not even <laughs> gonna say that. Um, it's, I'm gonna give this movie like a, I guess like an eight out of ten. Yeah, me too. Yeah, because it's so well done. It's not perfect, and it's not something that's teaching me anything. But I am moved by so many moments, and I'm having a good time.
0: Yeah. And this movie for me is an eight out of 10 in general, but it's just kind of like, you know, the Christmas movie is a genre unto itself. Like Christmas music, there's a time to deal with it and there's a time to not deal with it. And then there's
1: July, which is a freebie. <laughs> uh, and uh, for Hallmark, it's all year round. <laughs> it's all the time. What? Wh- if uh, Let me ask you this. Is this in your top 10 favorite Christmas movies?
0: Yeah, I, I'm, I, I was thinking about that. I was like, I'm glad to have this in rotation that I have to watch it every Christmas. Yeah,
1: I, I think this one lands like, if not in my top 10, it's probably like 12. You I know? guess
0: I just don't have that many Christmas movies because it's like, I'm happy to have Elf on. I'm I'm paying less and less attention when Elf is on. I'm sure. doing other things because sure. I knew that know that movie so well. But White Christmas is the number one and It's what? a Wonderful Life is yep. gonna be there too. Uh-huh. Family Stone um, Family Family Stone is hard. It's hard to watch that a lot.
1: It's I think it's a once a year for me. Like yeah. Robin and I just watched it and it's it's honestly it's so heartwarming at the end. I think your first couple times watching it you're like, "Oh no, it's coming again." But then it it makes you feel so good about Christmas love and life at, yeah. at the end that like it is a feel good movie. But this one does the same thing. It's just far more superficial
0: really doesn't put you through any kind of ringer which is fun well no
1: ex- except in time Emma with, Thompson like, you got Emma, Emma Thompson. Thompson and Laura Linney. but you know it's line. gonna be okay yeah
0: I don't have that assurance with Family Stone I'm like you do now tragedy like, is coming. you have to watch it a couple of times
1: uh <laughs> to really know that you're gonna get through and it and
0: we have to say to our viewers if you haven't seen the Family Stone go or listen, watch to, it go watch it You've been warned, it can be hard, but it's as hard as I've watched it is, it's triumphantly joyful too. It is, yes.
1: Speaking of Family Stone, let's move on to the letter segment.
0: Hey, Flo. Huh? Mail come. Got mail for you. Oh, Pete, you've got mail. You sent me a letter. You got mail.
1: Um, Letters. We we have to blast through this. Sorry, audience, but like our kids are both outside and we haven't eaten in a long time. So let's let's just talk about like you know what's on the Patreon this week. Patreon this week is your essay, which is on um, the family stone. The family stone, indeed. Mm -hmm. And I just um, I am writing. I think the family stone is. I want to say should be in your top five favorite Christmas movies and if you haven't given it a chance or you did a long time ago and are like, uh oh, give it another chance, it's basically a defense of the family stone.
0: Yeah. And that's something Rachel did where she watched it the first time and she's like, ah, eh, but she watched it again. She's like, oh this movie's brilliant. Yeah. Tore her apart in a good way. Yeah. Uh, also on the Patreon is everyone's favorite Christmas movie, Die Hard.
1: Yeah, we did that this month. So that's our bonus episode. Um, you'll find a bunch of bonus episodes, a bunch of um, stuff that we wrote. Ryan's essay last week was one of my favorites. It's from uh, Paris Geller. Basically, Ryan wrote as Paris Geller. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I asked her to, to oh write yeah, sorry, it. I'm yeah. sorry. I'm sorry. She came on and wrote for us uh, yeah. her five least favorite rom-coms. Um, and uh, in addition to that, we have a basically a poll where at the end of every month you the listener if you're a patron get to decide what movie we watch here on the main feed um and so on this month's poll we got four christmas movies one of them being oh we need to unclick we accidentally clicked <clears throat> one of them what
0: <laughs> it's got a negative one so oh, one no. of them
1: being one of them being uh the christmas
0: prince another being holiday the next one being the best man holiday, which now has
1: a negative one. I don't know how that happens. Uh, and uh, and the, the the other one has the preacher's the wife pre- is the preacher's wife. And so
0: still winning is God damn it. Holiday. You guys are so cruel. Come on. You want us to watch for all the Christmas. Netflix Christmas movies. for Christmas. Come on.
1: Either do one of two things for us it, because at Christmas, you must tell the truth. Go to our Patreon and vote for a different movie. Like become our <laughs> patron, just even if it's just for this month. But we'd love for you to do it longer. Come vote for anything besides holiday. <laughs> and then, um, in addition, you could go to our um, iTunes and give us a review. Yes. We'd love that. That would be the that greatest be Christmas, great Christmas, the present. greatest Christmas present of all. And tell a friend to listen to it. Listen to it with your family when you're home for the holidays. Exactly. Listen to our Christmas episodes from last year, they're great. Mm-hmm. We're going to do a lot of good ones this year. Mm-hmm. Um, including this one, obviously this yeah. one's wonderful.
0: That makes me think of like other Christmas rom-coms. It's like, I love you the holiday,
1: but I will go to this quicker. they just, I, I don't know yeah. why. I just, I, the holidays like in every other year for me. Yeah. Um, yeah. But if you want to check out last year's holiday episode, it's mm-hmm. good. It's really long. Um, it will have a lot to say about it. Um, anyway, you can find all of that at romcom or patreon.com slash RomComGents. Uh, and I think that's straight on over to our romcom musker section.
0: Okay, this is hard because this movie has so much going on. So um, much. But. In a certain way, you can also just make that the Oscar by just saying Best Ensemble.
1: Great. I Didn't you already give a Best Ensemble this year? No. Okay, we'll say no. <laughs> For me, I think... <laughs> we got to start writing these down. We do. Robin actually wants to go through and catalog all of them. Ooh, that'd And be so nice. uh, maybe that's her Christmas present to yeah. us. Um, I want to give this... I think I gave either Best Actor or Best Cry to Emma Thompson when we did Sense and Sensibility. Mm-hmm. I want to give... For this year's rom-com's best cry to her again. Way to go. I think she's one of our greatest actors. Yep. Hands down. Like, you don't get to see her in a lot. And sometimes she does like really goofy stuff like Nanny McPhee or whatever. But she's so great in this. Yep, absolutely. Unstoppable, that lady. Yep,
0: yep, double yep, triple yep. Well, I have to say, I have to ask, I have to know, who would you fall in love
1: with? Are there any circumstances in which uh, the two of you might be more than just good friends. the truth of it is I've
0: loved you from the first second I met you.
1: <laughs> but mostly I hate the way I don't hate you, not even close, not even a little bit, not even at all. You have bewitched me, body and soul, and I love and love I love you.
0: I know a lot of, a lot of good choices here. Ah.
1: Uh... girl and guy alike a lot of good choices so many good choices i'm gonna have to go with you grant yeah
0: i mean he's 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 started us off he's the president of rom-coms he you gotta go with he's the
1: president he's the prime minister of my heart yeah (laughs) like not only because he's um so charming he i think if you're gonna do a dance in a rom com that, or in a movie that doesn't, it doesn't isn't a musical. Mm-hmm. This is the way you do it. Wonderful. He's charming. He's nice. He's great. I I like him a lot. It's wonderful. What about you? I'm gonna go with Natalie. You can't have her. Okay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Going with Natalie because she's probably the most real character i mean emma thompson gets real Mm. but like natalie feels the most human very much in all the great ways where you just really admire
1: her now this movie we we need to bring up she's super foxy and hot and this there's a couple characters in this movie that call her fat and both kelly and i want to say to those characters fuck Fuck you (laughs) nice but I th- I think also this might be Richard Curtis like looking at the '90s and being like, "What's wrong?" or the early 2000s, just being like, "What's wrong with you, low-rise jeans? Like, what are you doing?" <laughs> well,
0: he didn't do himself any favors by casting Keira Knightley, who is the most low-rise jeans famous wearer of them all. Sure, but I mean that's
1: not Keira Knightley's fault. Yeah, <laughs> it, that's like basically Hugh Grant's best line is like, "Would we call her that? Mm, would we?" <laughs> and um, yeah, she's amazing. So she, fucking rocking bod doesn't. A, it doesn't matter if you have a certain weight to you or not, but also you shouldn't call people fat. And also she's not that large at all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so come on, but yeah. she's beautiful, lovely in all the ways. So, yeah. Yeah. High five to Natalie. All right. Well, uh, that brings us to next week's episode. Truly next week's episode. (laughs) Last week we said it was this week, but next week it will be true. But if next week is this week, can last week be next week? Well, at Christmas, you always watch the movie you're supposed to. (laughs) And that's the truth.
0: (laughs) Okay. So we got Carrie Francis, uh, singer and Knives Out star And Broadway actress. Broadway person. um, And uh, I think she has a dog. Probably
1: has a dog. No, yeah, yeah. She's a famous
0: dog owner. Famous dog owner. Yeah. Um, she's dog gonna, friender. She's yeah. a friend of dogs. She's gonna be on the show. We're gonna talk knives out. She was at Christmas Con, which is why we had to move schedules around. So we're gonna talk about that because I don't really know what Christmas Con is, but she's gonna fill us in. I
1: think I want to know more about Christmas Con than I want to know about anything else. Yeah. We, she's gonna because s- it's this time of year, and at this time of year. You learn about Christmas con. Yeah, but she's going to
0: spill the eggnog on all things Christmas
1: Ooh,
0: <laughs> I hate what you did there. <laughs> but we're going to we're going to also talk about Holiday Inn, Bing mm. Crosby, mm-hmm. Fred Astaire, someone else. The, the not Ginger Rogers. Um, someone Carrie's listening to us. She's like, "You idiots! It's this person," and she's going to inform us.
1: So yeah. Yeah, so I'm looking at oh, I'm looking at your Holiday Inn. Cover no, it's over on there. my shelf.
0: I can go gra- grab it, but I'm uh, but, not going but I to. see
1: but I see Fred Astaire, and he's wearing a yellow tie. But I thought it was his shirt being bare <laughs> and open. And I was like, oh man, <laughs> like I know he gets dirty in this one. But anyway, okay, that's what we're watching next week. Uh, so
0: Kelly, Christmas is the time to tell people how you feel, mm. and I just want to let you know that I'm fine with you. Wait, hold on, hold on Christmas is also the time where you have to say how you feel And uh it's also the time you have to tell the truth So I was lying before Oh, why? I actually am in love with you
1: Oh, oh, like uh, Like you're the love of my Like I'm Chita well, Ijafor? No, like you're the love of my life Oh, well, let's get pissed and watch porn then (laughs) And this is where we will say oh, goodbye. Ryan and Kelly must bid you adieu. Thank you for listening to our review. Rate and subscribe, we'll even take a bribe. See you next week on The Gentleman's Guide. To rom comes.
0: Do you think... The porn they would watch would no, they're just the stand-ins. But that oh, would be another. That connection. Be crazy. Is if that it the cut porn they were the going set? to watch? That would be uh, weird. Okay, that would be maybe a that weird was left ending. on the cut. Let's not. Let's. All right, let's go. Let's go. No.